Esther, Esther this evening. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. A couple of Bibles here. Going through the Old Testament, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. By the way, when we get through the Old Testament, which is probably not going to be for a long time, <laughs> but uh, we are going to go right into the New Testament. Where this is sort of a go through the whole Bible, Bible study that we're in, and I often say uh, that we're going through the Old Testament on Sunday nights. That's true, and it has been for a long time, and it will be for a long time, but someday uh, we will make it to the New Testament. We're just going to plow right ahead, God willing. But we are in Esther. Uh, actually, Stephanie corrected me. It's Esther. Esther. I've been saying Esther. Now, how many people heard me say Esther and said, he's pronouncing it wrong? And, you, and, you, and is it last week, how many people heard me and said, he's pronouncing it wrong? How many people? Sam, you? Anyone else? <laughs> but tonight, but tonight you did notice. <laughs> okay, sorry. And I'm, I'm ready for Ahasuerus' pronunciation. I got it right tonight. And so, anyway, let's begin. Let's pray before we begin. Father, I uh, thank you, Lord, for your word, and I just pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, in the name of your Son, that you will open up your word to us this evening, Lord, how we want you, how we need you, how we want more of you, Lord. And Lord, we're just so grateful have your word. We pray for the churches throughout the world, Lord, where, where it is just such an incredible battle to even gather together and open up the word, Lord. We pray for those churches, Lord. We pray that those, they would be encouraged to raise up leaders there and protect them. Pray for the leaders' families. Pray for their finances. We do pray, Lord, for those in prison this evening because of believing in your word and believing in your son, that you would comfort them. Lord, if you could somehow engrave your word on their hearts, Lord, so they don't have it with them and Pray for their quick release, Lord, their miraculous release. And Father, we are just reminded again this evening as we're going through, Esther, Lord, the cost that sometimes believers pay for giving their lives to you, Lord. I just pray that all of us, Father, you'd give us that those hearts of faith we would give our lives, Lord. In fact, we do want to give our lives to you, Lord. We love you and we need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so Esther beautifully illustrates the faithfulness of 
our Heavenly Father, 2 Timothy 2.13, says that even when we are faithless, uh, He is still faithful because He cannot deny Himself. Here we see in the book of Esther a book where there's no mention of God, there's no mention of faith, no mention of worship, no mention of prayer, no allusions even to heaven or hell. And it's probably not a coincidence. These were a people who uh, 17 years prior to the time that this story takes place in the land of Babylon, uh, the uh, all the Jews were offered the opportunity to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple and have the whole thing financed by the king, Cyrus. They had been exiled into Babylon because of generations of rebellion to the Lord who saved them, the Lord who brought them out of slavery, brought them into the promised land, had always been faithful and just as the prophet Jeremiah had prophesied, they were exiled. Jerusalem was destroyed. There was a 70-year exile. They had been offered the opportunity to go back. About 50,000 Jews did, went back to rebuild the temple. Others followed to rebuild the walls. That's what the book of Nehemiah is about. But the rest, millions, it is believed, of Jews stayed behind in Babylon, it is believed uh, perhaps some of them didn't go back because of just anxiety, the fear of leaving home, uh, traveling a long way. Maybe there was some laziness there. Of course, there may have been health reasons and legitimate reasons like that. But it is believed that it was an issue of prosperity. The Jews have always prospered wherever they've lived because of just living by the principles of God and the word of God and they had established businesses and built houses so uh, in our story uh, here we're dealing with um, uh, basically a nation within a nation uh, of Jews who had stayed behind and uh, and so in this book there's there's no mention of God or or heaven but notwithstanding, as we will learn, as we already have been learning, it, it, God is still there. He is still passionately cared about the, uh, these people. He's still working behind the scenes. And yes, he cared deeply for the 50,000 uh, that uh, went back to Jerusalem. But these uh, he did as well. The, there's some wonderful pictures uh, in the book of Isaiah, prophet Isaiah, about God's love for his children. It says in Isaiah 49, 14, but Zion said, Zion meaning Israel said, the Lord has forsaken me and my God has forgotten me. And this is God's response. Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely 
they may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. My favorite is in the book of Hosea. When Israel was a child, I loved him. Out of Egypt, I called my son. And they called them, so they went from them. But they sacrificed to Baals. They burned incense to carved images. I taught Ephraim, meaning Israel, to walk, talking, taking them by their arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I drew them with gentle cords, with bands of love, and I was to them as those who take the yoke from their neck. I stooped and I fed them. And then it says, My people are bent on backsliding from me. Though they call to the Most High, none at all exalt him. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I set you like Zebulun? My heart churns within me. My sympathy is stirred. And so this is just the heart of God for his people. And, you know, that wonderful picture of their names being engraved uh, on the palms of God's hands. And, you know, in a very real way, your name was engraved on the palms of Jesus' hands. Romans chapter 6 says, For we know that we were crucified with him. Anyone who's a Christian, uh, in a very real sense, was crucified with him. Your name was on the cross. On the cross, he took the penalty uh, for your sins. And so, you know, the Lord, you know, man's ways are so much different than God's ways. And the Lord is always has a heart for the backsliding child. And we see that in this book, the book of Esther. And I heard about in the 1960s, there was this family called the Beardsley family. They had 18 children. I think it was in Monterey. And I think someone bought the rights to a, a movie and they made a movie out of it. But I, I don't think the movie had much similarity with a real thing. But they asked... Uh, Mom Beardsley, they said, well, you must have favorites if you have 18 children. And she says, no, 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 I, I love them all the same. And they said, oh, yes, you do. Come on, I know you must. You have 18 kids. You must have a favorite. And she said, well, maybe you're right. She said, if one of my kids is sick, that's my favorite. If one of them has a broken heart, that's my favorite. If one of them has in trouble at school, he or she becomes my favorite. And, you know, that may seem kind of sappy. Does that really describe the character of God? Well, you know, the Bible does say that the Lord will leave the 99 to go after the one sheep. And so do they love him more? Well, you know, I don't know. But he, he, he really focuses on that one and rejoices uh, as he he brings them back, and that really was a picture of uh, these uh, these uh, the Jewish nation. Now, when we left off, we left off at the end of chapter three, where it says Shushan, 
which is where the king's palace was, the city was perplexed. They were perplexed. There, you could even say a sense of confusion and fear had uh, spread throughout the city. The, sing, the king Ahasuerus Xerxes had just issued a royal decree to annihilate all the Jews throughout his empire. He was embittered that uh, a Jew by the name of Mordecai, who was Esther's cousin, uh, had not bowed down to him. And so he was the king's right-hand man, and he went into the king, and he said, verse 8, chapter 3, there is a certain people scattered and dispersed among uh, the people of all the provinces of your kingdom. Their laws are, laws are different from all other peoples, and they do not keep the king's laws. Therefore, it is not fitting for the king to let them remain. And so he coaxed the king to sign a decree that would uh, basically be a decree that on a certain date... Uh, wind up being 10 or 11 months from the time it was signed that uh, a certain day that all the Jews would be destroyed. And, you know, we've talked about this last time. Satan always has sought to destroy the Jewish people. Before Jesus came uh, as Messiah, Satan was determined to destroy them because he knew through it was through them the Messiah would come. He has sought to destroy them ever since because God has a wonderful plan for the Jews. Uh, the Bible says that Jesus will come back to reign and uh, all Israel will be saved in Romans, it says. And uh, he wants to subvert that amazing the history of the Jews. The, the, you know, we always think of Hitler, but throughout the Middle Ages and all the way up to Hitler, just one pogrom, one uh, sort of um, outbreak of persecution after another throughout history. Millions upon millions. Satan's always wanted to eliminate them. Well, Haman was the Hitler of the Old Testament, and he sought to have them uh, destroyed. And so it says in verse 1 of chapter 4, when Mordecai learned all that had happened, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the midst of the city. He cried out with a loud and bitter cry. He went as far as the front of the king's gate for no, for no one might enter the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. And in every province where the king's command and decree arrived, there was a great mourning among the Jews with fasting, weeping, and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. And so, uh, notice in verse 3, it says that there was great mourning, fasting, weeping and wailing, but no mention there of prayer, no mention there of crying out to God. And that's sort of the state that they're in. You know, the price of not praying when you're able is not being able to pray when you need to. 
And uh, when, you pray, when you don't pray, your spiritual m- muscles atrophy. They weaken. They weaken. And, you know, praying is an exercise which we must really be incredibly disciplined at. And, and, and as we are disciplined at it, we build up our spiritual muscle so that when the time comes that we really need to be crying out to God, we're prepared. In the Psalms, it says of David, David says that to the Lord, you, prepare, you have prepared my fingers for war. And I, I like to believe that as we're in the Word, as we're in prayer, God is preparing us for, for, for spiritual battle. And, uh, but here you have this uh, this picture of just a helplessness amongst these backslidden Jewish people. They're deeply uh, distressed. And then it says, so Ether, verse 4, so Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her, and the queen was deeply distressed. So she hadn't heard about the, 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 the decree to annihilate the Jews. She's distressed because she found out that Mordecai... Uh, was the way he is. And so, and then it says, then she sent garments to clothe Mordecai and take his sackcloth away from him, but he would not accept them. Then Esther, Esther called Hathak, one of the king's eunuchs, whom he had appointed to attend her, and she gave him a command concerning Mordecai to learn what and why this was. So Hatak went out to Mordecai in the city square that was in front of the king's gate, and Mordecai told him all that had happened and the sum of money that Haman had promised to pay to the king's treasury to destroy the Jews. And so when Haman went to the king, in verse 9 of chapter 3, he promised him 10,000 talents of silver. Where was he going to get that? He was going to plunder the Jews. That's where he was going to get it. And verse 8, it says, He also gave him a copy of the written decree for their destruction, which was given at Shushan, that he might show it to Esther and explained it to her, that he might command her to go to the king to make supplication to him and to plead him for the people. So Hathak returned and told Esther the words of Mordecai. Then Esther spoke to Hathak and gave him a command for Mordecai. She said this, verse 11, All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that any man or woman who goes uh, into the inner court to the king who has not been called, he has but one law, put all to death except the one to whom the king holds out the golden setter, that he may live. Yet... I myself have not been called to go into the king these 30 days. So some kind of marriage there, huh? Hasn't seen him in 30 days. And so this message is, is sent to from Esther back to Mordecai. You know, Mordecai had, had, had told her, look, you know, you need to, you're the queen now, and you need to go into the king and you need to intercede on behalf of your people. And she says, well, I haven't been called. And by the way, the law here uh, in, in, 
in Shushan is that if, if I go in uh, and I'm not called, unless the king extends the setter, the golden setter, I am required to be put to death. And so they told, verse 12, Mordecai Esther's words, and Mordecai told them to answer Esther. Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will, do, will fast likewise. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did accordingly to all that Esther commanded him. And so I love the way that Mordecai responds to her, to Esther. He doesn't say, look, if you don't do this thing, we're all doomed. You're our last hope. Because that's not the case. She is not their last hope because God has infinite amount of resources to save the Jews. And Esther, if you don't step up to the plate here, It's the, the help, God's going to just raise up someone else to help. Deliverance will come from another quarter, but by the way, in the process, you're going to be wiped out yourself. And this is such an important principle that you and I learn, particularly those of you who are actively seeking out ministry to grow in ministry. when we started the Bible study that preceded this church within the first year there was a guy who I, I met up at the park in Mission Hill he playing basketball and I was up there and I asked him after playing basketball to come over to my house and gave him some Gatorade and, and uh, I shared with him about the Lord and he started coming to the Bible study and uh, he got saved. Never heard about being born again. He came from Poland. He was, uh, came from a Catholic background. And he got saved and he started growing. And uh, he, a few months later, returned to Poland. And I'm just amazed. This guy sends me emails now about every three or four months. And it's just crazy. He is going around Europe and literally 
six, seven hundred people show up at these gospel choir presentations, people getting saved, people being discipled, and they have these workshops which they use, a gospel workshop which they use as an opportunity to share the gospel. And every time he sends me one of these things, I go, this is crazy. <laughs> and, and, and he wrote to me um, about six months ago, and he goes, you do realize, Steve, that if it wasn't for you, none of this would have happened. And I just wrote back and I said, wrong. You think that all that's happening in Europe comes down to Steve Cole and whether or not he's going to be faithful? No. Deliverance will rise up through another quarter, through another means. And so he wrote back, he goes, well, I guess you're right about that. But, 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 but it, just, it is, I have to say, incredible privilege. And, and I just sit back and I, I'm just totally amazed at what's going on over there with this guy. And... It's a, le- it's a lesson that it's good for, for you and I to learn sooner rather than later. If we think that God's going to rely on us, on you or me, to accomplish what he needs to accomplish, guess again. You're not that important. I'm not that important. However, he loves you. He loves me. And he loves to use us in that way. And so Esther's just told here, look, it's something that is completely consistent with the Bible, cover to cover. You need to step up to the plate. If you don't, you will perish and God's just going to use someone else anyway. In Revelation, I forget which one of the churches, but the, it was one of the backslidden ones. God said, you better repent right now or I'm going to come and take the candlestick from you and get the lampstand from you and give it to someone else. It's a privilege to be in ministry. If we don't step up to the place, someone else will. It's as simple uh, as that. And so Esther's in this place of incredible power now, this position, and she could have just sort of said, well, you know, the, 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 the Jewish people throughout the, the empire, they're the weaker members, I'm not going to bother, uh, you know, doing anything about them, but uh, she, she doesn't do that, and she, uh, she does step up to the plate and she calls everybody together to, or, or tells uh, Mordecai to get the word out uh, fast for, for three days. And, you know, God has, uh, you know, it, it, I love also this very famous uh, verse that Mordecai says to Esther, yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And, you know, it, it's, it, it's all coming together now. It, she, this did not happen as a coincidence that the 
uh, Lord put her in this place. And uh, God has uh, in your life, in the places that you are, the workplace that you're in, the, uh, the school you're at, the uh, neighborhood you're in, it is for a specific purpose. God has put you in that place uh, for such a time as you are in now. He wants to use you uh, in it. And uh, it's, it, the, the key is, is, is dying or being willing to die. What does she say? She says, if I perish, I perish. And I, I, I love it when, uh, the, when Jesus found out that Lazarus was, uh, he, he, he was told he fell asleep, but actually he had died. And uh, Jesus said to his disciples, uh, no, uh, well, we're going to go, we're going to go. It was it to Bethany uh, and, and to him. And you're going to see the glory of the God of God there, and the disciples were saying to each other, "But we're going to be killed because by, by that time they just wanted to kill him." And one of the disciples said, "Well, let's just go and die with him." And and that's that's what the Christian life is all about. Paul said in Second Corinthians chapter four, "For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, that His life would be revealed in our mortal." Uh, mortal body and there's a story of St. Augustine who was giving advice to, to a, a young believer and he's saying look you, you, you really you have to quit going to this place and you have to quit going to that place and you have to stay away from these people and the guy said well Augustine I, I have to live don't I and Augustine said do you answer is, well, no, you don't. If it means disobeying God and uh, in our life is in his hand uh, anyway. The key to life is dying. We who are alive are always being given over to, to death. To, to let go of my deal, my thing, my agenda, my ministry, my vision of of, of what or dreams of, of that are my dreams and maybe not necessarily uh, the Lord. So to live for the Lord completely and totally. If I perish, I perish. And heaven's a much more wonderful uh, place anyway. I'm going to lay down my fears, my things, myself at his feet and let him do exactly what he wants to do uh, with my life. And so... Uh, we go on here. It says in chapter 5, chapter 5. Now it happened on the third day that Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the king's palace across from the king's house while the king sat on his royal throne in the royal house facing the entrance of the house. And so it was when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court that she found favor in his sight. And the king held out to Esther the golden setter that was in his hand. Then Esther went near and touched the top of the setter. So Proverbs 21, 1 says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, where like a water course he directs it anywhere he wills. And that's what happened here. Verse 3, And the king said to her, What do you wish, Queen Esther? 
What is your request? It shall be given to you up to half the kingdom. So Esther answered, If it pleases the king, let the king and Haman come today to the banquet that I have prepared for him. Then the king said, Bring Haman quickly, that he may do as Esther has said. So the king and Haman went to the banquet that Esther had prepared. At the banquet of wine, the king said to Esther, What is your petition? It shall be granted you. What is your request up to half the kingdom? It shall be done. Then Esther answered and said, My my petition and request is this. If I have found favor in the sight of of the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my petition and fulfill my request, then the king then let the king and Haman come to the banquet which I will prepare for them and tomorrow I will do as the king has said. And so uh, for whatever reason she didn't have a piece about asking her at this first banquet and so he comes to the first banquet and says well no I want to have a banquet for you tomorrow and You know, I've discussed this before. One of the most glorious, blessed things you have as a believer in Christ is the peace of God to direct you in your circumstances. The Bible says that we're supposed to present our lives as a living sacrifice holy and obedient to the Lord, and be transformed by the renewing of our mind that we can discover God's good and perfect will for us. I mean, how did she know that, you know, why didn't she tell him on that first night? Well, we're about to read it, (laughs) but she didn't have a peace for whatever reason. And although it did take a number of years before I could clearly detect the still small voice of the Lord. It is one of the privileges of growing in Christ. He'll direct you. He'll give you a piece of whether to go to the right or to the left. If you're not getting clear direction, it's stop and it's wait. Because when it's re- when, when you're, he's ready to have you move on, he'll let you know. And here, that, that's what happened here, that she... Uh, for whatever reason, she didn't have the liberty uh, at that time. She didn't have sort of uh, permission to make the request uh, that she, she winds up making. And then verse 9 says, So Haman went out that day joyful with a glad heart. But when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate and that he did not stand or tremble before him, He was filled with indignation against Mordecai. Nevertheless, Haman restrained himself and went home, and he sent and called for his friends and his wife Zeresh. Then Haman told them of his great riches, the multitude of his children, everything in which the king had promoted him, and how he had advanced him among the officials and servants of the king. Moreover, Haman said, Besides, Queen Esther invited no one but me to come uh, in with the king to the banquet that she prepared, and tomorrow I am again invited uh, by her along with the king. Yet all this avails me nothing. I could care less about all of this 
as long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate. And then the, and Zeresh and all his friends said to him, let a gallows be made 50 cubits high and in the morning suggest to the king that Mordecai be hanged on it. Then go merrily with the king to the banquet. And the, and this, and the thing pleased Haman. And so he had the gallows made. So this thing here in verse 13 to me is a classic. I mentioned in a sermon a few Sunday mornings ago that the word, when Jesus told his disciples at the Garden of Gethsemane, he said the flesh is uh, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That word weak is what's used for sickness and diseased. Our flesh is diseased, and it's sick, and it's dying. And until we get clothed with a new body, though, we have to live in it. But one of the manifestations of the flesh, and this is just awful, is everything can be going great except for one little thing, and that thing will just ruin our joy. Now, I don't know how many of you Sunday school teachers or many, I'm sure, actually, we have, also, we have public school teachers and, uh, in this room. When you just know, you know, there's, everyone in the class likes you, but there's one guy who you know hates your guts. And... It just spoils your time because the whole time you're thinking, there's this one guy back there and he hates my guts, you know, and it just, it sort of just ruins your time. Uh, And, you know, as a pastor, there have been times where um, I come to know directly from a person that for whatever reason, they have like real issues with me. You know, we'll sit down with them and and, you know, and ask him, well, well, so why do you go to this church? And they say, well, I, I like, like the fellowship. I like the worship. Everything comes back to that Greg guy. But, but, um, and, 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 but you know, they have real issues with me. And this is something that sometimes I, I really, I, I struggle with. You know, there'll be um, a lot of people being blessed by the word. But there's this, there's this one uh, Mordecai, if you will, and, you know, it's just my flesh. It's like, you know, but that's just totally not of God. And, you know, I remember Randy, Pastor Randy, telling me before the church began, he goes, your happiness is not going to be in the success of a ministry. It's in your relationship with the Lord that God loves you, that you are blameless and perfect in Christ, that you're as holy and blameless right now because of the blood of Christ that you ever will be for all eternity. And if I'm in this for the success, and for numbers, and for the size of the church or whatever, there's always going to be some Mordecai there, someone who is Satan's going to use to try to bring me down. And it's like that with you all. You know, if you're if you are sort of pursuing power, success, prosperity, believe me, you're never really 
there will always be some thorn in the bed of roses that keeps you miserable. And that's why it's just so important that our value is in Christ. God's completely, completely satisfied with you because of the blood of Christ, and he approves of your ministry based upon one thing, your faithfulness. That's it, your faithfulness. You know, it's, you know, I think of ministry and the fact that um, I told you guys a a couple months ago what happened with with Steffi and I. I got radically transformed uh, right before I was married. and and, And, you know, it's about six months into our marriage, I realized that my wife was not on the same boat I was. <laughs> I mean, she didn't care about the Word of God. She came from the classic Southern culture, Christian thing, and she was perfectly happy to go to church once a week, And but don't mess with me anything beyond that. And I was uh, really concerned, and uh, I did. I, I had sort of a watershed experience where I just handed this thing over to the Lord, and I just said, Lord, this is, I can't do anything about this. And she went to um, a K. Arthur study where they were studying the book of James, and I just talked about this a couple months ago, but, and she just came back one night and she said, oh, man, you're not going to believe it. And she says, you know, the Bible says, the book of James says that, uh, you know, it, it, it says there that um, uh, through our trials and that we need to count it all joy and that uh, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Did you know that? And I'm like, oh, yes, it happened. <laughs> you know? And, you know, she told me the other day, she said, I did, it's something I never even known that sometimes just a couple people would show up to this Bible study. And I'm just thinking to myself, I'm thinking, you know, I, I bet there were times when that Bible study leader was discouraged because just a couple people had, were showing up. And I look up my wife, she has been made such a huge impact on hundreds and hundreds of people. How absurd is it if there was if that was true that this whoever was leading that study was was discouraged? Can there be anything more ridiculous than that? There was a woman at that study she was feeding God's word to who is going to wind up being uh, growing into a strong woman of God and impacting hundreds of women's life. God just wants us to be faithful. And so we need to understand God's perspective on whatever it is that we're doing at work or ministry or as a family, as a mom or as a dad. But if we, we've got to be careful, careful for, with our flesh, man, because if we're in it for the attention that it brings us, if we're in it for just the prosperity, the materialism, whatever, we're going to be miserable. God will make sure to put a Mordecai there 
who's just not going to get us and f- the attention that we want. And so um, our value, uh, perfect uh, in perfect in, in, in Christ. And so moving on in chapter 6, It says that night the king could not sleep. No one was commanded to bring the book of the records of the chronicles and they were read before the king. And it was found written that Mordecai had told of Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs, the doorkeepers who had uh, sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. Then the king said, What honor or dignity has been bestowed on Mordecai for this? And the king's servants who had attended him said, Nothing has been uh, done for him. So the king said, Who is in the court? Now Haman had just entered the court, outer court of the king's palace, to suggest that the king's uh, hang Mordecai on the gallows that he had prepared for him. And the king's servants said to him, Haman is there. Uh, Haman is there standing in in the court and the king said let him come in so Haman came in and and the king asked him and what shall be done for uh, the man whom the king delights to honor and now Haman thought in his heart whom would the king delight to honor more than me and Haman answered the king for the man whom the king delights to honor let a royal robe be brought which the king has worn and a horse on which the king has ridden which has a royal a crest placed on its head. Then let this robe and horse be delivered to the hand of one of the king's most noble princes, and he, that he may array the man whom the king delights to honor. Then parade him on horseback throughout through the city square, and pro- proclaim before him: Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. And then the king said to Haman, Hurry. Take the robe and the horse, as you have suggested, and do so for Mordecai, uh, the Jew, sits within the king's gate. Leave nothing undone of all that you have spoken. So Haman took the robe and the horse, arrayed Mordecai, and led him on horseback uh, through the city square, and proclaimed before him, Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. Afterward, Mordecai went back to the king's gate, but Haman hurried to his house, mourning and with his head covered. When Haman told his wife, Zeresh, and all his friends everything that had happened to him, his wise men and his wife, Zeresh, said to him, If Mordecai before you, whom you have begun to fall, is of Jewish descent, you will not prevail against him, but will surely uh, fall before him. While they were still talking with him, the king's eunuchs came and hastened to bring Haman to the banquet which Esther had prepared. And so you see here you see here First of all, you see at the beginning of chapter 6 why it was that the timing of Esther's first banquet was not God's timing to come out and ask the king what she wanted to ask him. 
because eventually when she asks, you know, when she explains to the king sort of uh, the, uh, you know, what's going on with the Jews and, 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 and things like that, um, a big part of, of sort of the whole thing that she's going to explain has to do with her cousin Mordecai. But at the time of her first banquet, the king hasn't had this dream about Mordecai. And so she doesn't have a piece. She doesn't have a piece to make the request. And, you know, sometimes our prayer life is like this. And I just had this this phenomenal God thing happen to me this week just in my own prayer life where there was this family, there's this family who are dear friends of, of Stephanie and I, and I just saw a, a series of things have happened in the last month which have, has brought division into their home, division, you know, between them and their church, between, right in the middle of their family, and I'm just watching this thing. And it's, it's souring their relationship with each other, it's souring their relationship uh, with their church and with God, and on Wednesday morning, I believe it was on Wednesday morning, clear as clear as day, I'm in my devotion time, the Lord just said, Steve, you need to go in to this situation through prayer, and you need to simply, through the authority of the name of Jesus, loose the power of Satan. Because it's so clear that Satan has gotten involved with this family and you need to just pray in the name of Jesus and have him be loosed. And, and it, was, it was unbelievable. I just went in. I, it was on Wednesday morning, and I just said, in the name of Jesus, Lord, just rebuke Satan, have, that he would take his hands off this family, that they would be released from, the, from this, the spirit of division and confusion that this, he is in. And it was just... I was just praying with the confidence that I hadn't prayed for in years. I'm like, wow, you know, I, 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 I was convicted because I hadn't prayed like this before. But it was a situation where clearly the Lord had given me permission. And it was incredible because the next day um, I spoke with this couple and they spoke with us and, and uh, you know, at the very end, uh, the husband said that you know his wife had something to share that she had had this incredible experience with God on Wednesday <laughs> after I had prayed right after I had prayed and and, and she said you know she, she, there was all kinds of conflict in the home that and then but then all of a sudden she's like crying out to the Lord and and all of a sudden this incredible peace and she by the way she was she was she had started to weep and then finally she she, she was able to even speak because i i don't think anything like this uh had ever happened to her, her before and so uh, she said this incredible peace just descended upon me and then everything became clear and i and, and i just realized that she she said i need to 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 submit to my husband i need to follow the lord and, and then she just poured out her heart and i was like Oh, wow, I can't believe this. This is so cool. And it just convicted me about how we need, we need to 
to seek the Lord. You know, on, on, on what are we supposed to be praying for, Lord? I mean, we're in the midst here in Boston of a lot of spiritual warfare. Who and what are we supposed to be praying for? And just to, to seek out the Lord's permission so we can see his, his, um, his hand in, in these various areas. You know, uh, sometimes the, every once in a while we'll have, you know, it, it's true that it, it's sort of like being at a stoplight in a viper. Anyone ever ridden a viper before? Okay. I may have had to rebuke you if you didn't. No, I wouldn't do that. But um, those things are cool. I'd like to drive one of those things. Uh, uh, but anyway, you're, you're sitting at a viper, in a viper at a stoplight. You get all the power to like blow through that intersection. But you don't have the permission, you know, because there's a red light. And, 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 you know, sometimes, sometimes uh, it's like that. I remember when we went to Haiti last April and there's these food riots going on there and there's, you know, we're just about to go down there. Riots break out, so we're watching on TV in Port-au-Prince where we're supposed to be, you know, all this mayhem, U- UN people being, this UN guy assassinated. Someone just came out of the crowd and assassinated him and... I mean, it was just like, what am, I, what am I supposed to do here? You know, I'm the shepherd of this, of this flock, and am I really supposed to be going down? And it was really cool because at just one point, I, I, I remember just sharing this with Eric, I, the Lord just gave me specifically permission, go ahead, you're going, begin to pray that the, that the Lord will open up the way to get down there. At the time, we did not have even permission to go because the State Department had said, you know, it ordered its employees not to go, and uh, and uh, and Serge didn't even. Serge said, "Wait, I, I need to wait. I can't. I can't give you permission to go." But the Lord just specifically, I felt like He spoke to me, saying, "Go ahead, pray for it. It's all going to happen." And it was just great to just to see that that door uh, open up. And so she didn't have that peace that first day. And it's because this issue had not happened where the king is dreamed and it's rem- uh, he is reminded that m- this guy Mordecai had un- uh, unveiled a plot. Remember we read that, uh, was that in chapter 3 of these two guys, verse 2, Bigthana and Teresh, uh, two of the king's eunuchs, were going to kill him. Mordecai overheard the plot and all of a sudden King Ahasuerus it's brought to his attention who this guy Mordecai is, and that's going to be really, really important that he knows, the king knows who Mordecai is when Esther goes in the next day in the banquet and, and gives uh, the request. Uh, and so uh, here you have this situation here in, this, in, in, in chapter 6 where all of a sudden you see very clearly here uh, the, the faithfulness of God. God is unveiling uh, sort of the way, and we can see now with hindsight reading this, uh, how he's going to, to save them. He's uh, exalting, he's beginning to exalt uh, Mordecai, and he's beginning to uh, lay low this guy, uh, Haman. And so, the faithfulness of God to his people, a backslidden people, a people who had just been faithless, 
uh, in many respects and were apparently here in a backslidden uh, state. And uh, you have that sort of on the one side. And at the other side, you see uh, uh, the, just the folly, the folly of being bitter like Haman. The fo- just, you know, the, the Bible says in Hebrews, beware lest a root of bitterness uh, come up, uh, you know, in your life and defile many. And that's what uh, bitterness does. It, it hurts not only you, but everyone uh, around uh, you. And uh, you see these wonderful uh, things, though, beginning to unfold where sort of this bitter enemy uh, of the Jews uh, is going to be crushed and destroyed by his own bitterness. And meanwhile, uh, the hand of the Lord uh, rescuing his, his people and the plan here uh, starting to unveil. So uh, we will pick it up, actually, I think in a couple weeks uh, in chapter 7 next Sunday night. Uh, please join us here for communion. Okay. I'm going to close in prayer, but before I do, we will be returning uh, in 15 minutes to pray. Please join us if you would like. We want to uh, just praise the Lord uh, for...